0: The following is an exclusive presentation of Pirate Radio, the voice of the Pirate Nation. This is Eastern North Carolina's longest running sports radio call-in show. The Brian Bailey Show is on the air. The Brian Bailey Show on Pirate Radio is brought to you by Angus Grill, Bostick Sug Furniture, Bojangles, East Coast Grading, the Gavigan Agency, Greenville Auto World, Papa John's, Pepsi, Seared Chophouse Taft Taft and Hagler Tiebreakers, BMS Builders and the Rick House. And now, here's Brian Bailey Happy Labor Day everybody
1: and thanks so much for spending part of your holiday Monday with us. This is the Brian Bailey Show on Pirate Radio. East Carolina falls to Appalachian State 3319 in the opener. Now it's on to the home opener for East Carolina as the Pirates take on the Gamecocks of South Carolina. And joining us To talk about the upcoming game with the Gamecocks and the past game with the Mountaineers is Donnie Kirkpatrick, the offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach for East Carolina. We will hook up with him coming up as our show continues right after this.
0: You're listening to The Brian Bailey Show. Now, back to Brian.
1: Okay, welcome back on this Labor Day Monday. Dinah Kirkpatrick, 37 years of collegiate coaching experience. He's the offensive coordinator and quarterback coach for this East Carolina Pirate football team. Another stint with East Carolina. He's had a lot of success in the past, looking for some more success in the future. And he joins us right now to talk about the Pirate loss to Appalachian State and going forward against the Gamecocks of South Carolina. Coach K, how are you? That's amazing. Thirty-seven years coaching, and I'm only thirty-nine years old. That's what I was thinking. You started when you were two. I guess I did. I guess you did. You're you're a one smart man. Uh, eight years as a coordinator. You know, when you become a coordinator, how does that change the mindset of everything? I mean, do you like you know the the role of coordinator better than you know being one of the assistants on the staff, or or you know is it is it easier as a as an assistant rather than being the coordinator? Well,
2: I like it on days we play good. Yeah. You don't play as good. You don't like it as much, obviously. Uh, it, it is. It's quite a bit different, in fact. Uh, and it's and then that's another jump then going to being the head coach, it's the same type of a, of a jump. But, uh, you know, as a coordinator, you, you have to make a lot more decisions. As an assistant, you make a lot of suggestions. And uh, so, yeah, there's a lot more on it. You you can't just uh, be concerned with one position. You know, obviously I coach the quarterbacks as well. And when you're when you're just a quarterback coach or just a receiver coach, you know that's all you're concerned about right. for the most part. And if, if they they do what they're supposed to do or they play good, then, then you're happy with that. If not, then you know, obviously you're upset about that. As the coordinator, then you're responsible obviously for the entire offense. So you, you just have a wider scope of things there, so there's just a lot more responsibility.
1: Pirates fall in the opener, 33-19. When you guys go through and look at the the tape on that game, what are some of the things that you saw?
2: Well, you know, it's it's and it's like this in a lot of games because it's it's a game you can't ever play you know, perfectly. You know, you, you, you strive to do that. You'll never reach that goal, but you try to get as close as you can. It was a game, I think, of a lot of lost opportunities. Now, we were playing a good football team. I mean, I, I think most of these Carolina fans are pretty educated. And they know that, you know. I think there's a few, you know, there's a few drunk people or a few bad gamblers out there that make <laughs> you understand that we were playing a pretty good football team. You know, uh, I, I coached in Appalachian, so I know the pride there and I know the, what the program built on. You know, they they were an FCS, one double team until I guess six years ago. In, in those six years, they've won sixty three football games.
0: Uh,
2: that's averaging over ten wins a game, and they've won six bowl games. So, you know, probably. Some people may didn't have the respect for them that we did. Our team did. We surely respected them and we, we expected a tough battle. We we hoped we'd play a little better in some situations and we would be able to to, you know, come out ahead. But we were expecting a tough, tough game and what what got us was just some lost opportunities. We scored two touchdowns that were called back. Um and then we you know, you can't have that happen. I, I don't know what happened on the, the ruling where they overruled the, the Hail Mary at the end of the half. That's a pretty amazing situation. We scored one later that they took away, which we're not sure why that happened either. We, we ended up selling for a field goal on that one. And then we had a 60-some-yard run. It would have given us a first-and-goal with the six-yard line. Then we got a holding call back behind the play. And we just weren't able to overcome, you know, those type of things. It was a game where you got 11 possessions. In the game, it's a ball control game. When you play Appalachian, they're not going to let you have the ball very much. They're going to grind it out. So you've got to you've got to take what you got. You got to you got to capitalize. And that were three scoring opportunities there that we weren't able to overcome. And so you're just not good enough to to outscore them if you don't if you don't take advantage of those situations.
1: I was surprised at Appalachian State's quickness. I think even with their big folks, it just seemed like even when when Holton would scramble around, and it looked like he was going to go, yeah, he did go for the one big gain that got called back. But it seemed like every time he got loose, that they were so you know fast, and the, the interior linemen, the linebackers, the, the defensive backs, they closed very quickly. I think that that was one of the surprising things. I didn't think I would see that kind of team speed out of App State. Yeah,
2: they they have that speed. What. What we knew was they're probably a little smaller maybe than, say, uh, the traditional top ten team in the country, the Alabamas, the Ohio State, you know, those type of people. They have guys who are that fast, and then they're also very, very large. So whereas Appalachian may didn't have that that great a size, they really have the speed. They've got the great quickness. They play a scheme that fits that very well. It's a very much of a movement. Uh, They haven't been as big a blitz team as they were the other night. Uh, visiting with our coaches because we're, we're good friends with a lot of guys on that staff. Uh, they told us the philosophy was – or the game plan was they thought they had to blitz for. Uh, you can't let Holton get comfortable. If he gets in a rhythm, you know, he'll shred you. So you've got to make him run. You've got to make him get out of the pocket. Uh, you've got to contain him, but you can't let him have time to throw the ball. And that was pretty much what happened the other night too. When, when we were able to get the thing set up and he was able to, to have a clear shot to throw the ball – we we completed a lot of passes there were six or seven protection breakdowns in the game we threw the ball 40 times there were six i think possession or uh you know uh type protection breakdowns for one reason or the other the, it was a different guy every time that's that's the issue as a coach you wish it was one guy you'd just change the one guy out but it wasn't that deal so they did a nice job of pressuring us and some things and using their speed but uh yeah, they can run. They they had 10 starters back on a defense that gave up 16 points a game last year. Um, they had a transfer from Wisconsin, you know, to add to that. So they've got players. They've, they've recruited well. Uh, they've, they've really taken advantage, I think, of the state of North Carolina with probably us being down and getting a lot of kids that we used to get when I was here with Ruff and Skip. But right. those guys have signed those kids now over the last couple of years, you know, four or five years. And then they've done a really nice job with the transfer market. Like I say, had a good safety in there from Wisconsin. Had you know, uh, Georgia Tech uh, guy in there. Had a couple other big guys. You know, even their quarterback was a Clemson guy that started at Clemson before, started at Duke. So they've done a nice job of getting talent in there. You know, they probably don't get the respect that the, the you know they think they should get, but they got legit players now.
1: You know when you looked at the tape with, and you mentioned some of these plays, but let's let's go let's go over the big one right before the half, the hail mary. You know on the field it was called a touchdown. What what was the thinking? I, I followed Coach Houston into the tunnel and he talked to the official outside, and and then during the coaches show, obviously Coach Houston didn't really say a whole lot about it because obviously you can't say a whole lot about it. But it just seemed to me. That, that replay, and it's happened so much with East Carolina. Think back to the Tulsa game. I mean, it, it, it almost seems like when the replay is reviewed, not that everybody's going against East Carolina, but it, it's like somehow they screw it up. I don't know how anybody saw on any replay that I saw that, you know, I don't know who caught that football. I know CJ came away with it. I know the call on the field was it was a touchdown. But what did you guys see on tape?
2: Well, that's what we saw. Yeah, same thing. We had the views we had, and then I, you know, being in the press box, I, I had access to the TV, and I watched it, and you know, it looked like probably that was two guys had the ball, and then in that situation, it goes to the offense, right? And then plus the offensive guy came out with the ball. So the guy called it a touchdown, and we've not really been able to get a good explanation of how they changed it, who changed it. And again, you know, we we can't worry about that and say, well, we we didn't lose the game because of the officials, for sure. right? Nobody's saying that. Exactly. That that never really happened. We do seem to be on a little bit of a downtrend. You know, even there was a fumble later in the game that I I didn't see because, you know, I'm not watching our defense as, as closely I'm preparing for the next series that they thought, you know, would have, been, would have went our way and it didn't go our way either so nothing you know we, we're just gonna have to go out we've got to change that we just got to play better because it just does seem to be like we're on a, on a roll for every time it goes to the review that's going to be a bad deal right now but uh i don't know it's, it's got to even itself out We figure.
1: what does what does coach houston have an option that he can send you know certain tape to the to the league and say could you please look at this and tell us you know give us an explanation of this or that or you know is there a process there
2: there is, actually we do that and we, we, we come in the very next day and we did that Saturday. Uh, we went recruiting on Friday so we did it on Saturday, we sent it in and you do get a response back and sometimes they will, you know, be pretty honest with you and, and say we missed that call and, and, and they can't be perfect, we know that. Right. We, we we make we make mistakes, you know. The the players make mistakes, the coach make mistakes, the officials are gonna make mistakes too. They're they're a little sensitive to it. Pick <laughs> themselves up too much. I'll promise you that. They'll they'll give you one. The, the long run, the long run that Holton had, it would have given us first and goal from the six there, which went was fourteen to six. We would have had a chance to tie or at least cut it to one. You know, and the odds would have been in your favor, first and goal from the six. Right. The coach got on the guy pretty good, and his response was, "Coach, you might be right. I might have missed that one." You know what I'm saying? So yeah. you get a few; they'll they'll admit they missed a few. They won't admit very many of them. You know, they're that human nature; they're not going to do that very much. But It's the supervisor doing it now. If a guy misses too many calls, obviously, yeah, he probably won't be calling the next week or something like that. But uh, yeah, we still had other opportunities. Though uh, we we felt like we had some mental errors. We busted a few routes. We busted a few protections in there. You know, it was really hard to run the ball. The first half, they had really geared up. We knew they would load up the box and try to stop the run, and, and that's what a good defense does, and they're good at doing that. Uh, we came out second half and, you know, really got the run going a little bit, which I thought helped us. It's just then we were too far behind to uh, to stay with that. You had to kind of abandon that and try to score a little bit quicker, and, and, and we were able to get a few points in there, just not able to get enough points. So, uh, you know, tough night, but uh, – that's the beauty of this is that you don't have time to sit around and feel sorry for yourself, the players or the coaches. We we got a big game coming to Dowdy-Ficklin, and it's the first time in a while this thing's going to have a good crowd in here. Yeah. So all all our focus is toward that. All
1: right. One one more question before we get away from the, that whole call before halftime. Was the referee the head referee? Was he looking at the big screen? And going back and forth, because it sure looked like he was controlling the big screen at one point, looking back and forth and trying to, you know, and I guess he's talking to, to, to the replay official, you know, in his in his head, headset, but it looked like he was looking up and looking at it, and was that what was going on? Did you see that?
2: I, I know what you're talking about, and uh, I don't think that's the process. I don't, <laughs> I don't
1: think it was either.
2: No, know what the process was? I think that was just the stadium people, you know, showing it to the crowd, running it back, which... I don't know if they should do that or not. Do that. Yeah, but it did seem to kind of go go in in conjunction with what they were doing over there. But I don't know that one didn't go our way. That could have been a momentum changer. I think to go in at halftime, you know, it's still down twenty to six. It could have been you know a one score game, and, and we came out in the third quarter, which we had a big emphasis on pre- in preseason camp about we were going to play better in the third quarter. We thought that was one of the poorest things we did last year was come out out of the half. And, and get started quickly. You know, even in the SMU game, the third quarter kind of was stale for us. So came out, got the stop, and you know, drove down and scored. But we had to settle for the field goal. And we, at that point, you know, field goals weren't good enough. We needed to get the points, so we took the field goal. But we, we should have, we should have punched that one in right there. And then, we, and then we probably could have got back in the game. And I know a lot of people, you know, thought, thought the game maybe wasn't as close. I saw where somebody said, well, it wasn't as close as actually I thought it was a lot closer than the score and when you look at the film I think you would think that too there was a a series in there of four possessions where they scored four straight times Uh, we held them to two field goals which was a great job by the defense and then we did not return those scores one of those was because we got the holding call you know we'd had a great chance to score there and then one of those was in there where they didn't give us the call on the Big Ben or or the Hail Mary so you know, you take that part out of it. It was a it was a pretty evenly really played ball game. And if if we could just get a few breaks or just create a few breaks is what you gotta do, I think we'll we'll, we'll be a better team. But it, it was a good one. It's a good one to get learning experience from, like I say, and we'll move on.
1: Who were some of the players before we, we, we go to South Carolina, who were some of the players that really graded graded out well against Epstein? State?
2: Well, you know, Josiah Hatfield had a really good game for us, and we really were excited about him. We, we've always been excited about him. He's shown flashes, been a big play type of a guy, a guy that gives us some speed, which we still like a little bit of speed at receiver. Uh, you know, he's he's just had an injury-plagued career. Every time we kind of get him going, it seems like he's gotten hurt. That kind of happened in the preseason camp. He was out for about two weeks, so we didn't start him. He got in there and he played 34 plays. I like think he had three catches, a couple really, really nice plays. So we hope that we're going to really, really continue to see him do that. So I think he was one that really stood out. I thought Raji and uh, Keaton both had really, really good games. They didn't get a lot of rushing yards. So I know a lot of times people are just going to judge a running back by his rushing yards. When we couldn't run it, as, as effectively one. Keaton had the long touchdown catch. That was an amazing play by him, just showing what kind of speed he's got. Both of them hurt us a little bit in the protection game. Both of them have, uh, had a sack that they caused. So, again, his, his relatively young guys, just second-year players, which that's not that young anymore, uh, they got they got to tighten up on that, but they also played very well. Holton had a solid game. Everybody expects Houghton to throw for 700 yards every game. That's not going to happen realistically. But he had a good solid game. He threw for right at 300 yards. And he had two touchdown throws, and he had two touchdown throws that were taken back. So, you know, he you, you couldn't have had a four touchdown game with about a three sixty type deal. Too many incompletions, but some of those were his fault. Some of those were not his fault. You know, uh, had three or four times you had to throw the ball away to, to avoid a sack. That hurts. You. you had a, you had the big band which you think you caught. You, you know, one of those is a clock play where you're throwing it down in the ground, the intentional grounding. So. You know, we want to get the percentage up. We probably just got to protect a little bit better for him. And then uh, I think we're going to be okay.
1: Donna Kirkpatrick, our guest. We're taking your questions and comments on our Facebook live feed as well. We'll take a commercial break right now. We'll come back and we'll talk South Carolina Gamecock football. The Gamecocks come to town this weekend. Back with more on the Brian Bailey Show on this Labor Day holiday after this. <laughs>
0: You're listening to the Brian Bailey Show. Now back to Brian. All right, welcome back on this Holiday Monday. Donnie
1: Kirkpatrick, offensive coordinator and quarterback coach for this East Carolina Pirate football team, is our guest. Pirates taking on the Gamecocks of South Carolina, and in your house, this game has special meaning, doesn't it, Coach?
2: Yeah, it does. You know, it's it's the reunion tour for me because obviously I spent a lot of time up on the mountain there coaching at Appalachian State, and of course, best day of my life meeting Misty. Uh, up there, and uh, she had went to school there as well as a lot of other family members. My 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 younger brother played for us while I was coping, coaching at Appalachian. And so I spent some time in Columbia, and uh, Molly, our, our daughter, was born there, and she later then returned there to go to college there and was a cheerleader there for four years. And she was there during their really, really good run there when Coach Furrier was tearing it up a little bit. So uh, I know that uh, the house will not be totally divided, but there's probably a little bit of feeling in there for the game Gamecocks.
1: That should be fun, though. East Carolina and South Carolina—great matchup for the Pirates. Having South Carolina come to Greenville and Doughty Ficklin Stadium, and as you said, you know, really, this is the first chance we've had in a long time to have a crowd at Doughty Ficklin.
2: Well, no, we're just so excited. I know our players are just so excited, and it was a great crowd the other night too. For for most of those guys, it, you know, because we still are somewhat of a young football team. Uh, obviously the largest crowd they've played in front of. And, you know, crowds had not been that great here before and then with the pandemic last year, so it was a really good crowd. But we're expecting an even better crowd, a little more biased crowd, you know, for us uh, this week. And this has been a game a long time coming because uh, the last time, I guess, we played South Carolina, we were supposed to have played here. And somehow that game got switched into Charlotte, which was great, but it wasn't anything like playing in Dallas. Fickle.
1: All right, let's take some questions and comments from our Facebook live feed. Uh, first one comes in about Noah Henderson getting the majority of snaps at right tackle due to Bailey's knee injury. What's the update there, Coach?
2: Well, I'm, I'm, we don't totally know yet, but it's not looking very good for Bailey, at least not for right now for this game. So we were very fortunate that Noah was able to be back, and Noah played really well, we thought, in most things. He had one MA, I think, that you know was another one of those protection deals so everybody's got to eliminate that one mistake, but, uh, no one will be set to be the starter this week for sure. All
1: right. Another comment or question. Uh, are we going to see more wheel routes and screens to get some of the playmakers in space? I think that was one of the keys of this game that we really never got Tyler Snead going. Uh, you know, it, they seem to take away some of that, didn't they?
2: Well, uh, you know, they, they know where Tyler's at. There's no question about that. And, and, uh, you know they 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 do their homework. Uh, you know you're always look, our screen game actually had a chance the other night. The 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 play Keaton scored on was a screen pass. That was a flare screen out to him. We had two other screens that were called that uh, should have worked, and we had one other one where Raji caught went for about twenty some yards was actually a screen pass too. That the lineman didn't actually get out, but it was all out blitz, and so he actually outran the, the his blockers there, but still turned out to be a good play. You know, going into the Appalachian game, they were not a big man coverage team, which is when you use wheel routes and pick routes and stuff like that. We we did get to a few of those. Raji had another one, which was a was a rub-type pick play, I think, in the game. Now, this week be a total different defense. I do expect to see a lot of blitz. I expect to see a lot of pressure. And, you know, with that, we will definitely have those type plays in.
1: Take us through the Keaton Mitchell touchdown, Coach. What uh, what did you see on that play? What went right? How did that thing just explode like it did? Because obviously we saw Keaton absolutely fly.
2: Yeah, you know, uh, he's, he's such a good receiver out of the backfield. And if you get him, you know, out there in space, good things are going to happen. It was, it was a call that um, in our second long game plan, they really um, – Dropped their linebackers really, really deep and their coverage really, really deep on second and long. So we you have a, you know, kind of have a game plan for each situation. And so we were going in the game planning to run screens, and they did. They dropped really, really deep, and our linemen were able to get out, and the receivers were able to run the DBs off. And Keaton got one or two just kilo blocks right there.
0: Uh,
2: and he was just. You know, gone. They just he had the speed he could take it to the house. So we tried that play later, and uh, the the Sam linebacker peeled, and we should have been able to throw the ball to the back side screen because it's actually a double screen. <clears throat> but we got too much pressure and we didn't get a chance to do that.
1: Did you uh, give Keaton any pointers on that dance that he did when he got in the end zone? Who taught him that?
2: Well, I, it wasn't me. I can tell you that. That's for sure because I, I, I wouldn't be able to demonstrate it nearly like that. We've got a lot of talented guys like that. So uh, hopefully we can score more so they can show those skills off
1: more. Yeah, we're looking forward to that. All right, When you look at, at South Carolina's defense, you talked a little bit about you know their blitzing scheme and that kind of thing. I think the one thing that the average fan looks at when you're playing a South Carolina, obviously this is an SEC-style you know, team. Um, they're Picked to be near the bottom of the SEC standings, but still, it's SEC caliber talent. And I know when you guys look at things like that, and, and the recruiting that you guys recruit against South Carolina in so many different ways with guys you know that are out there. But what do you see in this defense?
2: Well, it is a it is an SEC team, and, you, and you're saying that right. Maybe they're not picked to win that league. You know, it's a big league, but that's like saying you're playing an NFL team and, you know, even the worst NFL team has got the greatest players in the world on it. So what, what they are is they're a typical SEC team and they're very good size. You have to have good size to play in that league. And so the defensive front has three starters back out of the four, and that's probably the biggest concern we have going into this game is can we handle them up front because they've got big guys that are fast guys that are probably going to the NFL type guys and, uh, you know, they've they've been recruited by a lot of schools. There have been a lot of people thought they were good. So they're hard to have. They totally dominated in their first game against an Illinois State team. They had no chance just simply because they could not block their front. Uh, you know, the secondary is new. They had a great secondary last year, and they either went, got drafted or they transferred. And so uh, that will be the most inexperienced. So we hopefully we'll have a little bit of an edge or we can work something there. Uh, but they'll be able to run, and they'll be big. And, you know, saying they're used to playing good competition, obviously, as well. So, uh, you know, we, we, we're going to have to play our best. We're going to have to have a good game plan. And like you say, the Tyler Sneeds and the CJs, who who did okay, they just never really got a break-loose game. And Josiah's got to come through, and, and we got to have a lot more big plays. But we'll have to handle them up front. That'll be the big challenge this week.
1: South Carolina in their first year under Shane Beamer. Did you guys run into each other through the years? I mean, do you know Shane?
2: I know Shane, and Shane's a a tremendous human being. Obviously, you know, comes from pretty good stock there. He had a dad who was a pretty good man. who was a pretty good football coach as well. And uh, though we've never worked together, you know, playing them at Virginia Tech, uh, we would always see each other. And then, of course, just out on the recruiting trails, you would run into people like that. And then, you know, he was on the Oklahoma staff out there with Lincoln. And I used to, you know, I've made several trips out there and, you know, hung out with him a little bit there, too. So great, great person. I know he's excited about this opportunity. You know, he had coached there as an assistant under Coach Berger when they were having great success. So he's got them fired up. He's got them playing, you know, optimistic football right now. And obviously the first game they they were dominant. So I know they're coming in here with some momentum, and we're going to have to be ready for that.
1: They had a grad assistant coach basically starting a quarterback in week one in Zeb Nolan. Uh, Luke Doty looks to be ready to go, but they haven't announced who's going to be starting a quarterback. Obviously, that's not your uh, you know responsibility because you're on offense. But have you ever had a situation where you had you know, somebody had put one of your coaches in a quarterback? <laughs> Lord,
2: no, and I hope we don't on this staff, because we ain't got anybody who can still play on this staff. <laughs> uh, we'd be in trouble. I don't, They're luckier than we are. I don't know. We could probably bring Brian Shore back out, too. He was a pretty good quarterback. He's still pretty young. You know, I, I don't pay a lot of attention, but I know of the situation. Uh, Zeb Nolan is the son of Travis Nolan, who's a high school coach in Georgia right now, and I recruited Travis Nolan to Appalachian State and signed him, so I know the family very, very well. And when Zeb was uh, first leaving Iowa State, we were James Madison. We did talk with him about transferring into James Madison. So uh, he's a great young man. He's a good player. I say he's a man now because he,
0: you know, he's older.
2: But uh, very unique situation. That that's maybe the most unique situation. But you know, that's the great. That's the beauty of college football. I, I heard on the one little show there on the radio, or on between the commercial deal here, talking about the the kid at Florida State last night. Another great story about college football. But this was Zeb coming out of retirement from coaching to playing. That that's an amazing story.
1: Yeah, it was an amazing story. That Florida State Notre Dame game was amazing last night too. That's uh, Mackenzie Milton coming back and doing what he did. I mean, that was with that devastating knee injury and and transferring out and. Uh, I can remember being down there for the championship game the year he was injured. And I I was down there working for the American and just all the talk. And I I think he came out to to midfield as one of the captains. Obviously, he was out for the season then and and just trying to bounce back. And his story and just the way he played last night was just incredible. And that was just a great, great game for a Sunday night for college football. Uh, It's good to see the crowds back out. Now, you were out recruiting the other night. I know you can't talk about specifics about who you were looking at. But what was it like to be back on the sideline finally and, and actually recruit a player.
2: You know, it was it was it was great. I will say this. You know, we we pulled out of Charlotte. You know, a little after midnight, and uh, a long bumpy road back home. You know, not feeling very good, not feeling too happy about anything in life. Woke up to a beautiful day on Friday, and had the opportunity to go to uh, three or four high schools, and it really, really uh, was a great thing because you love getting out there. And visiting with the high school coach, especially the high school coaches in Eastern North Carolina, which almost all are so supportive of East Carolina. You know, most of them probably went to school here or are huge fans. And so they really picked my spirits up. And then getting a chance, though, you can't really talk to the prospects at this point. You got a chance to go see them in the weight room. And I got a good chance to see a really, really uh, two outstanding football teams play. And so it just you, you love high school football. You love to be a part of that. You just you're just so happy to be out there and and seeing the talent. We've got some good kids we're recruiting, especially out of this local area right here. And it it, it made coming to work Saturday morning then I was in a much better mood Saturday, I was much more optimistic about the future and getting going again after getting out there and having a chance to, to visit with those coaches and those players.
1: We want to get you in a good mood on Sunday this week, so we got to have a big effort on Saturday. Do the
2: radio show after a win. Yeah,
1: that's you right. Won. So we, I mean,
2: if we're going
1: to win, you're going to let me do this. We we'll promise you. <laughs> we promise you down the road, we're going to get you after a bit. I owe you because I've had you on after some tough losses through the years. Jay writes in and says, Appalachian State, along with some good American teams, use a lot of motion and misdirection plays. Uh, why is it easy you're doing way more of this.
2: Well, truthfully, the Appalachian doesn't use a lot of misdirection. It's basically straight lead zone is what they do. They do put a little window dressing in it with the receiver there that kind of runs by. They don't give it to him very often. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's the question. I'm not sure how to how to answer. We 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 actually opened the game you know, with a misdirection play. And then we later second series came out first play with a misdirection play. Neither one of them were very successful. And I guess that's probably why we didn't go back to that, uh, going into the game. We actually thought what we call the counter the counter tray, you know, was going to be a good play. They had had trouble defending that play the year before they had really, really worked on their weaknesses and they had really had a good game plan for the counter. So that, that, that did, we didn't get back to that very much. And, um, You know, that's kind of the way it went. Like I say, it turned into a little bit more of a throwing game than probably we would have liked for it to have turned into. That was just due to getting a little bit farther behind and just didn't have time to stay with the run game.
1: East Carolina Offensive Coordinator, Donnie Kirkpatrick, our guest on this Monday, on this holiday Monday for your Labor Day. We'll take another commercial break right now. We'll come back more with Coach K, more of your questions and comments on our Facebook live feed here on Pirate Radio after this.
0: You're listening to The Brian Bailey Show. Now, back to Brian. All right, welcome back as we continue on with
1: Donnie Kirkpatrick, offensive coordinator and quarterback coach for this Pirate Football team. Coach, when you have a Saturday off like you guys did, how often do you get a chance to see some of the, uh, the other coaches you've worked with and, and that kind of thing? I was going to ask specifically about Coach Holtz, uh, Skip Holtz and company. La Tech had Mississippi State beaten. I swear they did, and they lost that game. I was just wondering if you had a chance to see that one.
2: I didn't get a chance to see that. Um, like I say, our schedule, the players were off on Saturday. That didn't mean the coaches were <laughs> off on Saturday. Um, we went recruiting on Friday and got back to the game, and then we were in early Saturday morning. We were watching the game against Appalachian, and then we got a jump on South Carolina. We did, we got out of here early evening, though, I will say that. So I did get a chance to see the games at night. I watched the clemson Georgia. Yeah. I watched a little bit of the South Carolina Eastern Illinois game there a little bit, too. I didn't watch it as heavily because I knew I was going to be spending the next week watching that on on film. You can see, obviously, what's happening on the film a a lot more than you can on the TV copies. So I did get to see the night games, but I I kind of always keep up with the scores. You have the alerts on, and same thing, I, I thought he had a big win right there. That would have been his 150th win. And that's pretty special, so I'm really hoping he'll get that here
1: pretty quick. Yeah, it was just a shame because he, he had he had Mississippi State beaten, and then and then he went over to the to the um, kicker before he went out for the field goal. And I was sitting with most we were eating dinner, and we were watching. It. And I said, I hope he does not tell him the same joke because it may not it may not work out. And I forget what the joke was. It was Ben Hartman when he went to him. It was something about the change a football player gets, and it's his quarterback. And I don't know how exactly the joke went, but he was talking to his kicker, but his kicker didn't give him quite the same effort, and uh, it wasn't it wasn't good. But it was uh, it had to be a tough loss because they really, really you know played well for the most part. Yeah, that's what I heard. All right, when you look at South Carolina and and this defense, you know. Are are there things right now that you think? Hey, I know we this will work, and obviously you don't give them away. But but are there things that you or are there things that you think might work? You go into practice and you kind of you know spin the pot around that kind of thing.
2: I think it's a little bit of both. You know, you start watching tape and you, you watch it a lot of different ways. You watch it in the in the games played to get a to get a feel for how the coordinator calls things and the flow of the game. Then we have everything cut up into like situations. You know, first down. Uh, situation second long all the different third downs red zone goal line and if you're coming out two minute you study the tape and what they do uh in situations you study it also by what formation and how they defend formations and you do start to see things you say okay, this should be good this this matches up good we do this you you just can't put a new offense in each week your kids would never know what to do but you say, hey Because they play this coverage to this formation, these are the routes that we should be able to run. These have a good chance to work. These are the runs that you like. These are the checks you're going to have to make. And so as the week goes, you you first start off thinking, wow, they're so good, nothing's going to work. You start getting optimistic. You start practicing it. Uh, We did a little bit yesterday. Sunday's practice is a pretty light practice. We get about 20 minutes of teamwork in. Uh, You start to look at some things. You do experiment with a couple of things. You do that Tuesday, Wednesday. Usually by 3rd you're starting to feel pretty good about it. Then you go into the game, and it's kind of a chess match. Sometimes they've adjusted, and then you have to adjust. Sometimes you're dead right on, and it works right from the get-go. So. You just you just never know, but you but you do spend a lot of time trying to come up with a plan.
1: Another question coming in wants to know about the uh, up tempo. It says it seems that when you go up tempo, that Holton gets in a groove and keeps a, the defense on its toes, keeps them backpilling a little bit. I guess is, is how that would go. But uh, how about the tempo? How how we, how happy were you with the offense's tempo of the other night?
2: Well, I think the, I think that observation is dead right on. I think we play our best football offensively when we do play faster. And I push them to do that and push them to do that. Now, early in the year, sometimes they get a little tired. We called a little bit of a break the other night. It wasn't quite as hot as it normally is in the first ball game. But the key to all that is, is that you have to move the ball to be able to play fast at the tempo. So when we were able to get a couple of big plays, we did uh, do that. The two-minute offense, obviously, is designed to do that. And we moved the ball, and we moved it all the way down there. And We did we did stump our toe a little bit there on third down, and that's why we had to go to the big bend. Key is we just got to get more of those plays where we get those yards gained so that you can tempo that because I do think that's when we're at our best. And that keeps the defense from being able to adjust. It keeps them from being able to call to dial up their exotics, the tougher blitzes, their special defenses. It kind of makes them just get into a base defense because they have to line up or you already have the ball snap.
1: He had a chance to get it to the tight end a couple of times the other night. I've always said that this East Carolina offense, regardless of who the head coach is, the offense is better w- when there's a tight end out there that that can make some plays. And I think that we're starting to see you know, because you know when Coach Houston got, here, he said the tight end room was really a lonely place. But now you've got some guys in that tight end room.
2: Yeah, we do. And I I didn't. I, I'm I'm really disappointed that we didn't get it to the tight ends more. But again, we got a lot of weapons. You know. You look back, you say, well, I wish Snead would have got it more. No, I wish Raji would have got it more. I wish Keaton would have gotten it more. We, we, we've we got to keep the ball more. We've got to move it better so we'll have more plays. We only had 64 plays in the game so that we can get it to more people. Now, uh, Ryan Jones called a touchdown. I was really glad to see him get some success there at the end of the game. He kept playing hard, made a really good play. Uh, Shane actually caught the touchdown that was the one touchdown that was called back. So – The first play of the game was designed to go to the tight end, and then there was about two or three other plays where they just happened to cover the tight end. Though they did a nice job taking the tight end away, some. So we'll keep continuing to work them. They're they're a huge part of what we do, if we're throwing it to them or not, because they're a huge part of the blocking schemes as well.
1: How did the guys come back after the loss? Because I I know, you know, and you kind of touched on it earlier about you know drunk fans or or you know bad gamblers uh, upset. You know, this is a community, as you well know, that just wants to win, it just is so proud of their football team, especially when they win. And the guys, you know, we talked about it with Holton so much in the offseason. You know, his goal is, is to get this team to a bowl game. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line. He talked about it after the loss in Charlotte. He said, we got to get to at least six wins some way, somehow. I, I think you guys would take nine wins if you could get them. But, I mean, it, there's a lot of pressure on this team to perform. How did they come back after the loss?
2: Well, I think that's a big, a big part of, of what a lot of these kids are about. Like, Holton. the fans here are, for the majority, the best around. And I've been to a lot of schools, and the the fans here are tremendous. the The community here supports this team so so well, and everybody does just want to win. And I think the kids actually feel the pressure, not so much for themselves and their family wanting to win. Is it's come to the point where. They would love to win for this school, for these people that go to school here, for the people that have gone to school here before, or the people that just support the team. So they were really, I think that's where they were most disappointed because they were just so jacked up that we were going to get this thing turned around. And and it is. is—we, It's going to get turned around. We know that. I know we keep saying that. You have to keep saying that. You have to believe that. And it will happen. It's just it's one of those things where it's not happening as fast as Any of us want it to happen. We're having, as you know, coaching staff discussions about we we've got to get them ready to play. We can't put too much pressure on them, and you can't talk too much about the winning and the final results. We've got to spend more of our time just talking about the process because you just can't think. You know, I think Michael Jordan had had that saying or something about he never thought about was he going to make the free throw or not. He he just concentrated on his technique of shooting the free throw and doing what he's got to do. So we don't want to overburden them with we've got to win, we've got to win. No, what we got to do is we've got to play better. We, we've got to line up better. We've got to play faster. We've got to catch that ball. We've got to pick this blitz up. You know, defense has got their things we got to do. So we're really really concentrating more on the process. we got to practice well. we got to have a good meeting today. you got to pay attention to the meeting today. you got to go back and study this at night. And then the wins will come. When we start doing the things that it takes to win.
1: And I I take that one step further. If you look back at the SMU game last year, when when we always talk about how great the offense was that day and then how everything clicked, but I don't think you went into the SMU game thinking, hey, we got to win. I think you went in the SMU game thinking, hey, we got to continue to play better. We got to keep, and all of a sudden it all came together.
2: Well, I think that's exactly right. That's exactly right. The week before we were playing Temple, and I think for the most part, and maybe this was more offensively than defensively. The kids felt like we have to win this game. We're better than this team. We're expected to win this game. We need to get this next win to you know. We don't want to be back in that you know three win thing or whatever. And we got to get over this hump. And I thought we played a little tight, even though we we won the game by a pretty good margin. We didn't blow them out like maybe we should have. The next week. Our kids were relaxed. We were playing at home. It was Thanksgiving. Their families were in. They wanted to play well. They wanted to play well for the crowd, their families. But I think the pressure was off, and we let it roll. And so that's what we keep talking about as a staff. Each team is different. Some teams need that pressure to to, to make themselves play good. Some teams need to be a little bit more relaxed. You know, we're trying to find that balance between not being too easy but not overemphasizing the final results. It's more about the process right now for us.
1: All right, let's talk about the South Carolina game before we let you go. And we certainly appreciate your time today, but the Gamecocks come to town. What do you guys have to do offensively working on it this week and then executing it on Saturday?
2: Well, I could say we're, we're going to have to play well up front and uh, we'll have to game plan well up front too uh, because they're really, really good up front. That's an SEC, which is basically all NFL guys playing defensive line. We'll get blitz, we'll get pressure because the word now I think Appalachian blitzing so much more and then them telling us their study and they had talked to some other teams, you must keep Holton from getting comfortable. You must pressure him. So they're willing to go zero coverage and you know and whatever it takes, which puts them a little bit at risk. So we're gonna have to do a better job of pass protecting the blitz this week.
1: And, and following up on that, when you guys see a zero protection and, and Holton throws up one of those 50-50 balls, you got to get guys that will go up and get it. I, I thought that Audi that had a couple of them that it, it, I don't know whether he didn't know the ball was coming his way or whether he, he kind of just ran out his route. Did you see that? And maybe CJ the same?
2: Well, uh, you know, I'm not going to call any of those guys. Right. Out, you know what I'm saying? That's my job to get them to do it right. Right. understand that. We did have some of those situations when they bring the house they're going to make you throw it quick, but they're in man coverage. It's a one-on-one deal out there. He's got to get rid of the ball. They've got to hold that line and not get rerouted to the sidelines, and they got and they got to make those plays. That, that's how it happens. Now, you can hit a few crossing routes and some things like that, some rub routes, and we had a couple of those. We threw one a little bit behind speed. He, he feels like he should have caught it. It wasn't a great throw, but that was when we missed the blitzer, and uh, – you know the quarterback throwing the ball with a guy hitting him in the chin at the same time he's going to throw it a little bit high. So that's what it is. It it, it is a thing where you got to go make plays. They're they're going to they're going to bring it at us this week. We know that. Our kids know that we're going to pick it up better this week and we're going to have some big plays off of it. Is what I
1: think. I think you're right. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. South Carolina coming to town this weekend. East Carolina, South Carolina 12 noon kickoff at Dowdy Ficklin Stadium. Coach Kirkpatrick, thanks so much for joining us this afternoon celebrating your Labor Day holiday with us. It is a Labor Day for you guys. You guys are working hard, aren't you?
2: (laughs) We're, we're grinding away, and I'm going to get right back to it here and now. This was my fun part for the day, right
1: here. Oh, we appreciate it. We had some fun as well. Donnie Kirkpatrick joining us today from his office over at East Carolina. We'll take our final commercial break. We'll come back, and we'll wrap up this edition of The Brian Bailey Show right after this. <laughs>
0: You're listening to The Brian Bailey Show. Now, back to Brian. All right,
1: let's wrap up this edition of The Brian Bailey Show on this Labor Day Monday. Cliff Brock joins us. He is the host of the pregame show, 8 a.m. on Saturday morning, the Bud Light pregame tailgate, and then he and our good friend Billy Weaver take over with the fifth quarter call shows. How how'd the first show go? Did, did Weaver hang in there all right? Yeah, he uh, man, he,
3: he got a full taste of what the post-game show yeah, can bet be about. I uh, he did.
1: I hosted it back in the day years and years ago, but uh, that's been a long time.
3: He got called out personally a few times. And, uh, <laughs> that's good no, stuff. But no, we had fun. And uh, look, I thought what we did, like, we can't control the outcome of the game, but... We had a great day and night here at Pirate Radio.
1: Yeah, so. I, I think so. I I had a lot of fun uh, going on the trip. I mean, great I, video, I, by the way. You snooping around That's kind of know, creepy. Well, it's, it's yeah, exactly. It's funny because when we started talking about what to do, like it's one of those things. It's like a blank slate. Just just do something. Yeah, interview somebody. Go wing it, Bailey. I got there. I was like, there's nobody here. I, <laughs> they want this thing back at four thirty. I said, okay, well, we'll figure this thing out. So it it, it worked out pretty. I well. I love the but.
3: walk uh, into the stadium, like, and you first. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah like you go locker room. But when you go through those doors and see the field and the stadium, it was
1: it was beautiful, and it was really cool. And I swear, I had a tear by the other night talking to Melissa. I said, you know, one of these days they're going to take this this privilege away from me. You know, they're going to make me retire one of these days. But nah. it's so much fun, man. I mean, it's it's just a blast being there and guys on the sideline. Harold Varner was on the sideline. John Gilbert was on the sideline before the game. And uh, oh, I got a story to tell you. Remind me to tell you a story about me and Luke Combs whenever we do the three right, thirty yeah. We'll save it for that because that's that's your part, and I'll save that one for uh, for later on. when
3: you retire, you'll get the. Dream steel role they'll still let you run out with the team really Really? yeah
1: Yeah, yeah. they probably should i think so yeah that's that's my goal in life now is to to continue with that one but uh looking forward to that cowboys play the bucks on uh thursday you gonna root for the cowboys hell no i didn't think so
3: i think they can hang with
1: them though I think they, it just depends. You don't know what you're going to get out of Dak. Zach Martin not playing because of COVID is really going to hurt because uh, Zeke Elliott came out and said, he's the best player we got on offense. He went right past Dak and said, (laughs) Zach's the best player we got on offense. It is kind of
3: scary, and it's only one game of a really long season. Right. But uh, to play a team. That won the Super Bowl. That has everybody. Literally yeah, everybody everybody's coming back. back. It's crazy.
1: Yeah. So it'll be it'll be fun coming up on Thursday. But uh, Pirate football resumes on Saturday, 12 noon kickoff for East Carolina and South Carolina. That should be a lot of fun as well. Pirate radio coverage begins at 8 a.m. with the Bud Light pregame tailgate. All right, let's wrap up this edition of the Brian Bailey Show. Thanks so much for making us part of your Holiday Monday on this Labor Day. Donnie Kirkpatrick was our guest. We thank him for his time, and we'll see you back here next week on the Brian Bailey Show.
0: This has been The Brian Bailey Show, brought to you by Angus Grill, Boston Sug Furniture, Bojangles, East Coast Grady, the Gavigan Agency, Greenville Auto World, Papa John's, Pepsi, Seared Chop House, Taft Taft & Hagler, Tiebreakers, EMS Builders, and The Rick House. Join us next time for another edition of The Brian Bailey Show, exclusively on Pirate Radio, the
2: voice of the Pirate Nation.